In our culture, everything is based on success. But what is success and who to find it? That's the big question. Is it measurable? Can you obtain it? Can you dream it? Can you hold it? I'm on a quest to redefine how we view success, and I'd like to bring you on this journey. Welcome to Be Fulfilled. Hi, it is Tony Grebmeyer, and welcome to this week's episode of Be Fulfilled, the real stories behind success. You know, if you took money off the table, what would they be? Well, today's guest has had an incredible story and just life journey from a real estate agent, an investor at age 18, an insurance broker at 19, a securities rep at 20, accounting and a law degree, 16 infomercials with Gunther Ranker and KTEL, radio and TV direct response, direct mail biz, a founder, owner for 23 years, now a partner, a digital marketer, right? brands, TNC, and over 26 other businesses. Fun fact though, he also finds some time to enjoy travels, been to over 150 countries, keyboard and bass player, and uh, just an incredible soul. Please welcome to the show today's guest, Roland Frazier. Thank you, Tony. It's so nice to be here. I'm very honored to be on your show. Well, I know that you just got done. Everybody who's listening to this episode just finished TNC 2018, just an incredible event in San Diego. We'll be talking about that today. But Roland, as we get started to kind of go on this path up Success Mountain, we'll talk all about kind of your ups and your downs, your journeys, your successes, some of the things you've learned on the way up to the top. And we'll come back down. We'll get into the fulfillment round. I love to start the show because it kind of sets the tone a little glimpse inside you and your soul is if your answer to the question wasn't about money, what would be your definition of success? It's twofold. I think personal success is gathering, collecting experiences in life and really living life to the fullest, which means for me, getting outside my comfort zone as much as possible. So if I feel myself becoming fearful of something to go past that point and say yes, where I want to say no, that would be on the, for my own personal success level. And then generally, I believe it is touching the lives of other people and making them better. My goal is to give and not have an expectation and really take great, great enjoyment in watching other people succeed as a result of their interaction with coming into contact with me. That's the thing that means the most to me. I like that. I love the two part too, because I think personal and professional, I think you can find something in both. And, and I think they line up really, really well. Um, trying to understand and get to know somebody like you with just an extensive background. You've done a lot. I love to kind of go back to paint the picture of your upbringing. Give us mom, dad, that scenario, brothers, sisters, give us a little insight to your childhood just so we can get to know because by 18, you're already in the real estate market. You're already in an agent and an investor. So I want to kind of fill in kind of the childhood until that time with some information. Yeah, I, I was very fortunate. I had a very good upbringing. I'm an only child, but somehow managed not to be selfish. I think I evolved out of that. I remember when I was a little kid breaking a bar of chocolate in half and the first time that I gave the big half to the other person instead of having it for myself, it felt so ridiculously good that I just wanted to keep giving the big half to other people. So that was a good escape from uh, selfish only child syndrome. But uh, my father was an entrepreneur and still is. He's an attorney. He actually practices at the old firm that I founded some time ago. And so I had the opportunity to have an entrepreneurial upbringing and see how wonderful it was to be in charge of your own destiny. And my father was a tax attorney, still is a tax attorney. And so his clientele was primarily made up of entrepreneurs as well. So I was exposed to so much of that as a child that it, there just wasn't any way. I was on fire excited about about doing things and about getting into business for myself and making things happen. So that was what my youth was focused on. So that's how when I'm 18, I, at that point, I've read all of Robert Allen's Nothing Down investing books. And you know I've saved my money from my Golden Skate World skate rental clerk job to buy into a deal with somebody that I met through my father. And then you know that leveraged up and leveraged up and leveraged up and kind of led to where I am now. Where were you born? Where did you spend most of your time growing up? I grew up in a little mountain town called Covington, Virginia. We had a paper mill town where everybody worked for the paper mill and had a population of about 5,000 people. 
I love it. All right. So read a lot of Robert Allen books, 18, get a chance to get into a deal. I love the skate world. You, you saved up some money to buy into a deal. What was that? Was it the real estate business? Yeah, it was. Uh, so one of the people that I had met was a real estate developer and he came into town and he told me, he said, I'm going to do this deal where I buy this land and then I'll get a loan to put on it. He said, I can get the loan if you want to come in, I'll let you come in. And so my investment was $12,500, about everything in the world that I had saved up. And I put the money in and I got $39,000 back about 16 months later. And that was like, oh my God, this is amazing. (laughs) I just, I saved and I put this money in and we watched these houses get built. I think it was only four houses, but it was just so cool. And so I was hooked. Yeah. Like how amazing, right? 12, five in all the money, every penny you've got basically into it. And then you wait a little bit of time and then someone hands you back some money and you're like, okay, what just happened here is I don't know, but somebody's showing me that I can make a lot more money investing. Tell me some of your wicked smart investment deals that maybe on your journey up success mountain didn't go according to the plan. Did not go according to plan. Um, Sure. There's certainly plenty of them. Probably uh, maybe Five years ago, or I guess six years ago, we bought a water filter company and we saw the opportunity because the branding on the company was really bad. It was named Fesco, which sounds like a disease that festers in you or something like that. It's just a horrible name. And it was an abbreviation for something, but it was just really horrible name. And we asked them, we rebranded it and we're like, we're so smart. We rebranded it and said, you know, what is the thing that people want in this industry? Well, they want their filters quickly. So we called it rapid filter and rebranded it. And we took all the stuff that they did not do with tech and built it into tech and built a lead gen system and all this other stuff. And no matter what we did, we couldn't get past the fact that it was a 100% relationship, good old boy network kind of business. And so if you didn't have the relationships, the one-on-one relationships with the buyers, then no matter how amazing you were or how cool your brand was or your logo or your business or how many awesome internet tools you had, you just weren't going to get in. And so that business, we lost quite a bit of money. We, I mean, I had countless deals. We lose more than we win, but we win really big when we win. So that makes it possible to stay in business. Kind of sounds like when I go to Vegas, right? Like I lose a lot, but now there's those days where I just double down and I win and I'm like, I love it. Then I have to remind myself, I can't stay here. I do not own it all. I need to go back and earn more money to come and try again. <laughs> you know, they, couldn't, they couldn't build these billion dollar hotels if they gave away too much money. <laughs> no, that's so true. And do you gamble? Is that something in like, if you were to end up in Vegas on a good night, a couple cocktails with some friends, would you ever find yourself spending time gambling? I absolutely would not ever be found doing that unless I was doing it because who I was with wanted to do it. I don't enjoy it. I don't like, I don't like it when I'm, to me, gambling is, Hey, Tony, we're going to play a game with your money and the odds are horribly stacked against you. And as a matter of fact, the more you play, the more certain it is that you're going to lose. Want to (laughs) play? I don't get that. It doesn't make any sense to me. So I don't like it. My wife likes to play Wheel of Fortune and I will put money in sitting next to her because it's a fun experience to have together because she enjoys it. But you know, my gambling is based on data where I believe the odds are in my favor. That right there is some insight that's super powerful, right? Odds in your favor. So you're spending time researching, looking into it. You know, you look through just a little bit of your history. I mean, there is a lot to cover as we try to go up Success Mountain. I mean, you're a business partner in 26 other businesses. When I think of your time and how you're investing it, I'm thinking, here's Roland from Digital Marketer, TNC. I must have so little time because these big businesses must take so much of your time. However, you've been able to really just become a power investor and start really leveraging your network to help a lot of people. How do you find the time to make all of kind of that happen? I mean, is it people systems? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, it's really funny because people are like, it seems like every conversation starts, I know you're incredibly busy, but which is to me a horrible way to start a conversation because number one, you're saying, I know you're busy and I'm interrupting you now. So I'm being disrespectful of your time, even though you don't know that the person is busy, right? You're just making an assumption 
And then the second thing is you say, but, which means I know that you're busy. And despite that, I'm going to come in and take more of your time. So just as like a personal, like two peeves, right? That I think don't make sense is why would you ever introduce yourself that way into a conversation? Tony, I know you're really busy, but I don't care. (laughs) I want to talk to you now. Right. And then the second thing is I'd like to pick your brain for a minute because that sounds like it should be illegal and that sounds very painful. And I don't think that you should ever be picking someone's brain. I think I would like to talk to you sounds way better. But anyway, that out of the way, I'm not incredibly busy. I have a tremendous amount of time. And the reason that I do is twofold. One is that in the businesses that I'm primarily responsible for, I delegate to people who I believe are competent managers and I let them run the business. And do they run it the same way that I would? No. Do they always run it as well as I would? No. Do they sometimes run it better than I would? Yes. So no matter what, allowing them to have the autonomy to do what they do and to give them the faith and belief and trust that I think they can handle it empowers them to become better managers and gives me all of the free time that would otherwise be spent in the minutiae of all these businesses. So that's part one is delegation to competent people and then staying the hell out of the way to let them do what you've hired them to do and what you have put faith in them to do. The second thing is that I only do the things that I'm really, really good at and that I'm really, really happy doing. So I partner. I don't own 100% of any business that I'm involved in. And I'm happy that I don't because I have partners that absolutely love to do the things that I absolutely hate to do and that are exceptionally talented and skilled and gifted at the things that I'm not exceptionally talented and skilled and gifted at. So my life is not managing the minutia of any of the businesses. So I have all the time that would otherwise be spent with that and not doing anything I don't like to do. And I'm not amazingly good at. So it looks like I'm actually reasonably talented, even though I don't know a whole bunch of things, right? I'd mess up everything if I was in charge of all those businesses. You know, I think that's a brilliant way of explaining what I love to call drainers and drivers. There's things that drive me and there's things that drain me in business and there's stuff that I'm just not good at. And I love to delegate and get them off my plate as fast as possible. I love the fact that you don't own hundred percent in any of these businesses and you've really found people who are excelling at what they're just really talented at. And you come in from a partnership standpoint, a support standpoint, financially, whatever it may be. And your genius, any room I've ever walked in and listened to you just being in your element, your stage, if it's your intensives that you run or if it's you on stage. I look around and I love to see how everybody drops what they're doing because yes, I love the story with you becoming a a partner in digital marketer and how it was like this person who just kept winning this wicked smart all these times and how you're just, to me, just an incredibly kind and respectful person. Number one, you always find time to listen and you love to give feedback, but I just, I love your personality. And I think what I'm really trying to say is, is that you come across just like you are here on a podcast as in person, you always find the time to help others. And that goes back to the beginning question we were talking about today is your goal is to give. Even from that breaking of that chocolate bar and wanting to give the bigger half away just felt really good. So I just want to say thank you for doing that because I know, yes, you may not be busy a lot of the times, but anytime I've ever been around you, you've always made me feel super important. I love that. That's such a great quality. There was something that I read about, and it was not how many years ago it was now. It wasn't recently, but it really struck me and it made me focus on this even more because I'm sure that you and many of the listeners have been the victim of, you know, Bedelia syndrome, which is that the person who you're talking to, their eyes are constantly darting left and right, looking for the better deal that they can, you know, the more important person than you to talk to. And I find that, you know, incredibly rude, but also I find it to be fairly common. And one of the interviews that I read about somebody that talked to Bill Clinton, who was incredibly popular, right? And whether you love him or hate him, there's much to learn from everyone. And the lady said, what was really interesting to me at the party that she was at was that he was 100% focused on her while he was talking to her, despite everything else that was going around 
and all of the other more important people that were there, quote unquote, more important, that she felt like she was the only person in the room at that time. And I think that I have tried really hard to think of that every conversation, every conversation that I have, this event we just put on 6,000 people, I want at every conversation that I have for the person that I'm talking to, to feel that they're the only person in the room because they are the most important thing at that moment and they should have all of my attention. So I think that's a really important thing. And I also believe that the most selfish, self-interested thing that any of us can do is to be kind and generous and helpful to other people because there's nothing that will create a better return on investment of time for you than being helpful and kind and unselfish. And that's awesome because it's just this virtuous cycle of I'm going to help you and I don't have any expectation. And then it just comes back to you 10 times and you continue to do it and it comes back a hundred times. It's just awesome. That is a beautiful way of saying from a person who loves to give, when you get into the room and you get a chance to talk to Roland or any individual, make sure you turn your time and attention to that one person. I happened to me, like when I was in the radio industry, I got a chance to MC Willie Nelson one day on stage. And Willie was like it. an hour late. He was an hour late. And then all of a sudden, from a distance, you could hear these motorcycles coming up the hill. And it was at a winery in San Jose. And it was the Hell's Angels bringing, uh, like, it was the parade up the hill and here comes Willie getting out of his bus. I'm not saying there was any smoke or anything, but out comes Willie. <laughs> Willie comes on stage, grabs his old beautiful guitar, holes in it, gets on stage and just delivers just an incredible show. So I get the chance afterwards to facilitate the meet and greet. And Willie did not leave for about three and a half hours. He stayed for yeah. over 200 people and he shook everybody's hand. And you think that's like the gesture most people give is like the handshake. But he would say, Roland, it was so great to spend time with you. Thank you very much for waiting in line, spending time, being at the concert. And I apologize for being late today. And he did that for over 200 people. That's some of the stuff you're talking about too, is making that extra little effort to remember them too, because it's so easy to say, oh, hi, bud, this is my friend, and then forget the person's name. So I love that. It is. And I had that same experience in another life. I was a concert promoter and Willie was one of the concerts that I promoted and he was exactly the same. He was just the kindest soul that you could meet and sincere and genuine. And one thing that's interesting in our industry is that a lot of people say as a platitude, what can I do to help support you? And they say that and they end the conversation with that, which is fantastic if they mean it. But so many people just say that and then go on and they have no intention of even listening to the thing that the other person tells them they can do to support them, much less following through. And I think it's it's really important to be sincere and authentic if you're going to do that and then to follow through. And if you're the person that follows through, if you're willy and you're following through and saying, even when you make a mistake, like you're late, right? Or, or it's something out of your control. Maybe the plane was late, you know, or the bus broke down or whatever to see things from the other person's perspective and to understand and empathize and talk with them and be sincere and authentic. It's just so important and not as common as I would like for it to be. Yeah. The important part that I, I'm getting, and this is the emphasis of success, and I love the goals to give, and I love all these things that we're talking about is you know, we get to the top of success mountain. I'm trying to get Roland up to the top as fast as I possibly can, because I know Roland, your life, you're going to go do some fun stuff in the coming days. I'm going to talk to you about that in the fulfillment round, because I think it's incredible. But like being on the top of your game, have you ever felt such an immense amount of pressure where you just kind of I don't want to say didn't know what to do, but you were panicking a little bit and like, maybe I should give up. Maybe this isn't all working. Have you ever had that pressure in your business journey as an entrepreneur? <laughs> Have I had self-doubt? <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. I mean, because I've had failure, right? And, and sometimes I'm right. It's not working. It's not going to work. Oh my God, it didn't work. What the hell am I going to do now? I had a you know, a situation 12 or 15 years ago that was, you know, very critical where it looked like, you know, my primary source of income was going to go away. And, you know, I was like, do I need to go get a job? Because I've never had a job. Like my last job was at Golden State World when I was 16 years old. That's, I don't think things are going in the right direction here. And I just had to, 
I mean, I wish I had a better answer. Kent Clothier, I think, gave the best answer, which is, you know, when fear is stopping him, he thinks this is where my competition is going to stop. They're going to be happy with mediocrity and I'm not. And that's a way stronger mental state than I was in at the time that I was going through this other thing. But somehow I found peace in it in saying, I know that I have always gotten through it before and I'm going to get through this. And I preach get outside your comfort zone. Well, I'm way the hell outside my comfort zone right now. So let me take a hard look at you know what the opportunities are and then let me bet on myself. And I did. I had to take, I didn't have a whole lot of money left because things were really, really, really bad. And I had to take that money and invest it in myself, in an idea that I had. And that was what really turned the whole ship around. So I think it's just having... If you can find, based on your past track record of success or that the world didn't end when tough times happened, if you can just look down and say, I got to double down and and go in. We were talking about gambling, right? But the place that I will bet is on me. The place that I will bet is on someone who has a track record of success. And if I look at the data of my life, I shouldn't bet against me. So I bet on me and got through it. I don't know if that helps or not. What do you think? No, I think that's like spot on, right? Like you would double down and bet on yourself because you not only have a proven track record, you just know you and you know what you're capable of doing. I love the, also the piece of, you know, I'm going to bet on people who have a proven track record as well. It's like a lot easier. Now, we mentioned a little bit about Digital Marketer and how you kind of started or at least became a, a War Room member. Was it War Room back when you joined? It was. And I'm going to finish up on that other thing just so I get the full depth of my despair at the time. I literally, I had my wife leave me. Her family was very close to me because I knew a small family. She had brothers and sisters. They all turned their backs on me. Friends left. The office I worked at changed the name of the office when I called it, took my name off of it. It was like dark times. And still, no matter how dark the time is, you look at that data. You just got to look at the data. And then if you can just get past the emotion of, I feel so freaking sorry for myself and I can't believe that these people are doing this and that I have created this situation and this life that I thought that I had that was so together and spectacular was built on such a foundation of sand that I didn't even realize it. And you're rethinking everything and doubting everything. But then you have to look back and say, you know, I... I am going to look at the data and I am going to bet on myself. I just want to say that because my life is not all, you know, unicorns and butterflies. It's been really friggin' hard at times. And that I think also the knowledge that all overnight successes are not overnight successes. And everyone at some point is going to face a really, really big hit, uh, you know, a gut punch. And you, if you know it's coming, you can tense up for it and it doesn't hurt as much. So that's the first thing that I would like for people to think about is if, you know, everything is roses right now, just be ready in case. Don't like be worried, but don't be surprised either and and have a plan and think about and treat yourself well and acknowledge your successes and, and live in the moment of those successes too, so that you know when things turn or if things turn and hopefully they won't. But you know, they frequently do. If you built a business based on Amazon, what if Amazon decides they don't want to sell that thing that you sell anymore? If you built a business based on Facebook ads, what if Facebook changes? What if the algorithm changes? What if there's a Facebook slap or a Google slap or whatever? And what you thought was going to be your retirement and your children's legacy turns out to be worthless. Then just keep in mind that that possibility exists, which keeps me hungry, which is the reason I have 26 plus businesses because I absolutely believe that several of them won't be here five years from now. So every year I'm trying to find two more streams of income that I can add to what I've got in case something happens. Now, what if nothing happens and I end up with 72 sources of income? Yay, right? So I I just wanted to kind of fully flesh that out before we moved on to the next thing, if that's okay. Yeah, no, that, you know, so it's interesting, Roland, like you're talking, right? So we're standing on the edge and I'm, I'm kind of saying to myself, like you're standing on a bed of sand and so many things kind of happened along the way, kind of life went in 
many different directions. What was mm-hmm. like an instance for you that you felt like where you were able to kind of regain who you were and you were able to say in yourself? Because you always had that I could bet on myself mentality. It sounds like that was something that was just maybe from an early age that you were just able to do. Maybe it was the books that you read. Maybe it was the conferences you attended or the business partners. But when that happened it several was. years back, how did you just in the moment, because I know when I was going through hell, like I literally call it hell because that's what it felt like. Everything in my world was collapsing and I wanted to you know, pull the covers over it and say goodbye. How did you snap back? Was there a moment of something that just said, I can do this? And then you began to kind of go on this new path? My darkest moment was contemplating suicide in Europe, watching the scaffolding that was outside the 12-story building that I had where I could open the window and walk out on it and jump off. Or then I'm thinking, maybe I could hop in front of a bus. And then I'm like, yeah, but then that'd be weird for all the people that had to deal with that. It wouldn't be good for the driver. I mean, I'm literally running through, these are all the ways that I can kill myself. I'm Googling how to kill yourself and getting ads, you know, on my thing for suicide lines and thinking, you know, this just sucks. And I mean, so I was at a, at a really, really critical low and I don't know why, but I walked into, and I'm not a hyper-religious person or anything, and this is not a God experience for me, but um, I walked into a little alcove of a church in Denmark in Copenhagen, and I remember the ceiling was made of stained glass and the light was coming through, and I just, something broke in me in the despair to find hope and then it all just became clear. And I said, what the hell am I doing? Why am I, you know, why am I feeling sorry for myself? I'm such a self-obsessed little twit for doing that. That's this, the world is so much bigger than these problems and whatever happens tomorrow is going to come unless I choose to make it not come. And, you know, screw it. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go forward and I'm going to kick ass and I'm going to get through this. And I'm going to make it happen because the other choice just doesn't make any sense. I'm never going to give up, right? I'm never going to give up unless I opt out. And so my internal conversation was, is this the time that I opt out? And I just, I found hope. That was what it was, is I I had shut off hope. And when you open yourself to hope, then all things are possible. And then you start thinking clearly again. And that's that's really interesting. You know, they say that people, when they commit suicide, and they make a leap halfway down, they change their mind, and they can't defy gravity and go back up. The key is to not find hope too late, right? So not find hope when the odds are so incredibly against you. So at this point, having gone through that, and I'm guessing you going through hell yourself, I can't imagine anything is going to come along in my life at this point that I can't handle. So I believe now that I know that nothing's going to come along that I can't handle. And that's incredibly empowering for me. And I wouldn't be able to say that had I not gone through the hell. So now I'm actually grateful for the hell that I went through. And if I have friends that are going through it, then I, you know, I share this story and this conversation and it seems to be helpful. So that's what did it for me. What got you through it? Somebody knocked on my door in the act of committing suicide. Someone literally had called me when I was writing my suicide note and uh, I had tons of pills. I had seven or eight things out in front of me and I was like, you know, screw it. I'm just done. And in the moment during this darkness, my phone rang and my buddy says, I'm coming to see you. And the next thing I know, I went back to my suicide note right after I hung up and it was gone. I'm like, oh crap. All right, let me go throw this stuff away. Let me get him out of my house (laughs) as fast as possible. And the moment he knocked on my door, I, I answered the door. He walked in and he gave me a big hug and he wrapped his arms around me. He says, you know, Tony, your life has meaning and purpose, but what you're doing right now doesn't. And in that moment, that crystal clear, I could hear it, feel it. And I get tingles still talking about it. I didn't know, but I knew what he was there for other than to love on me and support me because I felt like I had screwed up so bad and so many people tried to help me, but I was so mentally messed up physically with drugs, alcohol, Uh you know, all the separation stuff. And I sat and I listened. And I think that's the second piece today that's really powerful with me, with you, is just the listening piece to what you're really talking about. Like hope, right, is like, I think what the human soul needs to feel okay, because we all go through our own story. Like my darkness, your darkness, is someone else's like, okay, like, what do I need to do? And they're going to hear this story today. And they're like, if he can do it, and if he can do it, and I can do it too. Like it's just the starting point for their path, their journey. 
somebody I was reading on Facebook coming a little before this interview today, 10 years ago, my life didn't look like it did today. You yeah. know, my life didn't look like it did a year ago. And right. that's the important thing for me to remind myself of is like through all of this is people taking time and you got hope in that day. And I, we're going to come back. We're going to take a quick little break. Go ahead. Okay. I, I got hope in that day. And what I ultimately got was a life that was about 10,000 times better than the life that I thought that I was going to end myself because I wasn't going to have it anymore. In other words, the life that I thought was so great that I should, that it couldn't get any better. So the horrible thing that I was going through, I just needed to end it, was crappy in comparison to what I have now. So that, that other side, like you have no idea what's on the other side, but if you have the right attitude and the right hope and you go get the support you need, then the other side is actually like, I would invite the hell that I went through again if it meant that I could have the improvement that I got, I got, you know, I got a foundation of stone instead of sand. I got a woman that I just can't even imagine how lucky I am to have. And I never had kids, but I inherited two boys that gave me the ability to experience parenting and watching them blossom into, I mean, and it ain't easy, but watch them, you know, blossom into amazing people on their own and helping them. And the job that I had before I was practicing law, I wasn't happy practicing law. Now I get to do so much more. So it's like, you know, and I'm guessing it is the same for you. It's so like whoever experiences that incredible blackness that you think it's time to opt out. And I'm not having a suicide conversation. I'm just saying yeah, opt out of a partnership, opt out of a deal, opt out of a marriage that's not happy, whatever. Like the black that you go towards is frequently just a shade that leads to this amazing brightness behind. And that's exciting. And that's why you never give up because damn, man, I just know so many people where the whole backside of the story past the black is insanely amazing. So true. And you know, it's so crazy and we'll, we're going to take a break. But one of the things that was so crazy during my messed up part of my journey was I always had this mindset, no matter what, I'll go to the other side, I'll bring a can of green spray paint and I'll just make it better. So it was like, <laughs> I had hope, even I had despair, but people, I'm so grateful like for Roland to show up today and just to deliver. Yes, it's not talking about suicide. What we're talking about is that, that peace inside of us that we have to dig for that it may yeah. not be on the surface. It may be down a few layers where you're like, you know that inside you is the fighter, the person. And, and I can promise you it's the selfish act to even think about wanting to end your life because the hope that Roland just shared, the hope that I'm sharing with you is that our lives have seasons. And sometimes those seasons are thunderstorms and tornadoes and horrific things that happen. But you know what? Just never quit on a bad day. We'll be right back on the Be Fulfilled Show with Roland Frazier. Are you suffering from marketing dysfunction? Are you not able to perform online as well as you could when you were younger? Unable to keep up with the intimate demands of buying product, running offers, and shipping items to your customers? Say hello to Ship Offers, clinically proven to enhance the growth and longevity of your business. Get some today at shipoffers.com. All right, we are back today with Roland Frazier. And one of the things that I want you to know as you're listening to this story, and I hope you go back and re-listen to it a couple of times, we're talking about being a giver. But how do you find the ability to give when you don't have brothers and sisters to teach you about that? How do you find the ability to give growing up? Well, you have to have some good foundational work. And it looks like from the very beginning, Roland had just an entrepreneurial father, somebody who said, hey, let me show you the path. And then that path led to personal development, a lot of abilities to be an investor at an early age, the ability to be an insurance broker. I mean, from the ability to find time to give. And we also talked about the ability to be present. The moment of clarity in there is the ability to be mindful of what's going on around you, but also be zeroing in on the person in front of you. So many people think, if I can just get through to this person, then maybe I'll get that deal or that deal or that deal. But if you work each person as somebody with a soul, somebody who has a heart, somebody who is willing to give you some of their time and you give them theirs, what magic you can create 
And we're talking about a leader today, somebody who's shown up big for the community of Be Fulfilled, shows up big in my life. Lots of people love this character, this person who just has a huge heart. From one of my mentors and coaches, Vinny Fisher, to Ed O'Keefe I was talking to, talking about just the ability to give. And I think that is something that I want to leave the audience with. Are you giving enough in your life? Are you doing everything you can to be a giver or are you just a taker? So there's a big difference between the two. And I don't want to take up too much of his time because I want to make sure that we end this show having some fun as we go on a journey to really show you the importance of being just a well-rounded individual. Somebody who at the time was looking out his window and saw scaffolding and thought about the turbulent road ahead and said, well, you know what? I'm at the dark spot. What do I do? And he found an alcove. He found an ability to find hope. And that hope today is what he's sharing with the world is the hope that you find whatever it is you're passionate about. He said, is it an Amazon business? What happens if that sector goes out of business and they no longer want to carry that brand? What are you doing with your Facebook? If What happens if there's closure? What happens if these things are happening? Where's your business and how are you doing? Are you personally developing yourself? Are you spending your time following the wrong people? Well, I'm gifted to have a friend like Roland that is willing to just share. And I just want to say thanks, Roland. As we get ready to go into the fulfillment round, I got some questions for you today that will hopefully let us to have an inside glimpse a little deeper than what you've shared, even more. I don't know if we can go deeper, but I think we're going to have some fun on the fulfillment round today. All right. All right. There's no phone a friend. There's no, I don't know the answer. I know you're wicked smart. So I just want you to answer the best you possibly can. One of the questions that I love to start off is if Hollywood was making a movie, well, let's just say Hollywood's making a movie about your life and they need an actor and they need to somebody to play your wife, who would you cast in those two roles? They need an actor to play me and an actor to play my wife? Yes. Um, For me, probably Tom Hanks. He seems to fit kind of the, he reminds me of me. And uh, for the wife, gosh, um, that's a tough one because I really would want my wife to play my wife. (laughs) (laughs) Probably Angelina Jolie because she's very smart and very charitable and giving and also sexy at the same time. I like it. That's a good answer. Out of the 150 countries that you've had the opportunity to travel, what are some of your favorites that you'd be willing to share today? Mm, it kind of depends on what you're looking for. If you're, if you're talking about like tropical getaway, cool kind of stuff like that, the Seychelles and the Maldives are probably my two favorites for like an adventure unlike any other any safari, my favorite place, I think of all the safariing that I've done would be in Singita outside the Kruger Reserve in South Africa for spiritual, like a feeling that there's a presence that's greater than us up on the top of Machu Picchu after sunset when all the buses have gone down. There's a hotel there called Sanctuary that only has 35 rooms. So you're in the ruins of Machu Picchu by yourself with maybe a llama strolling by. That's pretty cool. In Angkor Wat, which is a temple city that was recovered from the rainforest where there's roots that are big roots that are, you know, stretching like fingers over the stones that were once temples. And there's all these little orange dots that are monks that have pilgrimaged there to explore that's that's a pretty special place for like really cool culture bustling city i don't think there's any place in the world like paris and um let's see if i could think of one oh for like kind of a feeling of just like amazing history two places in particular the great pyramid of cheops in egypt and the treasury at Petra in Jordan when you're walking through. And if I'm going to pick just two more and then I'll shut up because I can go on for a long time. The Dead Sea, floating on top of the Dead Sea is kind of crazy. And the experience of going to the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem and seeing all the little notes that are stuffed into the wall as prayers or spinning the prayer wheels in Tibet and smelling the overwhelming scent of yak butter wax candles melting in the temples while the monks are chanting. Those are all pretty great experiences. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, part-time travel agent and uh, vacation planner rolling today. <laughs> I love it. I think uh, some of those, I was just sitting here mouth-watering. I'm like, wow, that'd be fun. I, I need to get some more insight. And not too long ago, and uh, we'll hold this for another discussion. Roland's just really good at trying to figure out ways to get upgrades. And and you have a magic <laughs> formula. And I'm not going to ask you to go into detail, but I'm going to drop some information in the notes. So if you're listening today and you want to learn how to see the world and not pay for everything, like all of the upgrades and how the power of asking for what you want is really something that's maybe missing in your life. You're not asking for what you're wanting, so you're not getting it. That's one thing that I also wanted to say thank you because just some of your formulas for getting upgrades has been super helpful in the journeys I've been able to go on in the last five or six months with my wife. And she's like, how did you oh, get fantastic. this 3,000 square foot presidential suite? I'm like, I have a guy that gave me a formula that got me an upgrade. Um, so let's talk about Paris. I want to talk about Paris. You're going somewhere tomorrow. You get a chance to do something that maybe had always been on your kind of like wish list and somehow through maybe something you're getting to go. Yes. We leave for Paris tomorrow and my wife and my two boys. And it was, it actually shows you the power of asking and the power of network is my wife and I are both big fans of the designer Chanel and so it turned out accidentally, I booked this because I knew Traffic and Conversion Summit was going to be, you know, a lot of work. And so to kind of celebrate and relax after that, let's take a, a family trip. And so I booked the trip and then someone told me, oh, well, it's going to be a little hard getting into that particular place because it's Fashion Week. And I was like, Fashion Week? That sounds really cool. I've always wanted, I'm, I believe we collect experiences, right? So an experience I wanted to collect was to go to Paris for Fashion Week. I was like, that'd be super cool. And then I was like, well, I'm going to get a little cocky and I'm going to see if anybody knows how I could get into the Chanel runway show. And I asked American Express, uh, they've got a black card service that's supposed to be able to accomplish anything. And they were like, <laughs> yeah, no, we can't do that. And, um, and so I was like, okay, all right. They're like, yeah, that's impossible. That's literally not going to happen. I was like, okay. So I reached out to my Facebook network and I just put it out there and I said, we're going to be there. It's fashion week. Does anybody know anyone that could get us into the Chanel show? And one of my friends messaged me back and said, I actually might know someone who can do that for you. Would you like for me to ask? And I said, yeah, that'd be great. So he asked and introduced me to these two people. And it turns out that they own a magazine that's a hundred year old trade publication. That's the trade publication for the cosmetics industry, which Chanel obviously is a participant in. And so they introduced me and I talked to them and I said, they said, well, it's probably not going to happen, but we're willing to ask because the person that asked us to do this for you. And we started talking and it turned out that while they had this hundred year old magazine, they knew everything about print, but they knew nothing about digital. And so I started talking with them and I said, you know, well, I'd be happy to help you with that. And I, again, no expectation of anything in return. And so they ended up getting so excited that they flew out. I think they were in the, they were in like the Maldives or someplace and they flew out to Los Angeles and I drove up from San Diego to meet them. And we had about a two hour meeting. It went amazingly well. And now it looks like we're going to do business together. And they introduced me to the director of Chanel USA and they got me tickets for my wife and me to go to the Chanel runway show. And not only that, when I got the invitation to Monsieur and Madame Frassier uh, from them, which was super cool from Chanel, they invited us to a dinner and cocktail party the night before and then lunch at Chanel the day after the day of the event. So like just the power of ask, give, receive, is so amazing. And I've only had that happen like a million times. It's just crazy, Tony. It really, really is. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening today and you're like, I would like to have more experiences like what Roland's talking about. All right. So wherever you're at in your journey, as you're listening, break more chocolate bars earlier in your life, whatever you do, give away the bigger half. You still get chocolate. And that's the beginning foundation of a heart that loves to give. And, you know, by giving, that's really what he did with no expectation. And he received something that he says tons of times. And I love the fact about uh, you call Amex black and they're like, sorry, we can't help you. But the power of your <laughs> network 
the power of your network and the opportunity of who you show up as today, people are like, let me try. It's better than not ever asking and never knowing if it would be a yes or a no. I love that. I think that's a really powerful lesson too. A couple more questions for you. I see in your spare time, or maybe you find a lot of time to do this, keyboard and bass player. Are you in a band? Mm -hmm. Were you in a band? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I started playing out in clubs when I was 15. So it was really funny that, you know, I would walk out like there'd be a break and I'd walk out and I'd go to the bathroom or get a drink of water or something like that and come back in and they'd be like, you know, let me see your ID. And I'm like, I'm with the band. And I'm like, yes. I I literally, so I started playing out before I could even get into the bars and I did it until I was about 42 and it just, you know, being out. Number one, my travel schedule became insane. And so I I wasn't able to regularly show up for gigs and things like that. And so being out until three in the morning, because you play usually from 10 to one, and then you've got to pack your stuff up and all that kind of stuff. And you don't get back until 3 a.m. isn't particularly conducive to family life. So I did stop, you know, a few years back and I miss it, but because I love to perform and I get to replace that now by speaking and sharing and teaching from the stage. But um, man, it's uh, it was just so much fun. I really enjoy it. I still play piano and keyboards and I have piano at home that I bang on. And whenever I travel, one of the upgrade thing is that I'll, I go in, you know, I'll ask if they have a room with a piano because I don't get to play as much as I would like when I travel. And so normally the rooms with the piano are the presidential suites. And I end up with, you know, people are super generous at the hotels too. They're, they'll, they'll either say yes, or they'll say, well, we can't do it, but if you'd like to go in and play for a couple of hours, we'll get you in. And I get to go in and and do that. And it's just really wonderful because it's just you disappear from the world into the music and it feels so good. I think that is cool. If you had an opportunity to play with the Beach Boys or Led Zeppelin, what would you choose? Oh, that's a tough one because I like them both quite a bit. I probably would choose the Beach Boys because I like the harmonies. The music is more musically interesting to play as a musician for me, but I'd probably pick somebody like Tool or Dream Theater because I like complex systems and I like complex music and that would be much harder to play. (laughs) I like it. All right. On your Audible account or maybe a a book you're reading, what are some recommendations you have for business? If if you were to say, these are the essential keys to learning about the e-com business or just digital marketing and like, what are some go-to books for you? I think that any books about digital marketing are outdated the moment that you read them. So I wouldn't recommend that you read any books on digital marketing, you know, other than a foundational book, you know, like Digital Marketing for Dummies, which my partner Ryan Dice wrote with Russ Hanaberry, or something like that that's conceptual. But anything that's tactical is out of date because of the publishing cycle. So I would say more for business. And I, I actually believe that it's business knowledge that moves you ahead far faster than anything else. But I think it's the 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing by Trout and Rees is one of the best for digital age and product development and things like that. Ash Maria's Lean Startup or Lean Canvas, those would be good. And Eric Rees has one as well. For business in general, I stole this from both Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, their favorites, most gifted, most tattered, most underlined, most read. And Gates, I think, never even travels without it. Book is called Business Adventures, which is a series of essays from The New Yorker that were put into a book about lots of different businesses from the Edsel's failure to Xerox and what happened to them and, and several others. And it's very, very amazing book of learning. And then for fundamentals, I would say The Intelligent Investor is an indispensable book by Benjamin Graham. But the most recent book that I have, there are two books most recently that have had the biggest impact on me are The Goal. And I think that's Eliu Goldwaits, I think is the author, which I couldn't get through for years and years. I bought it. It's a big, thick book. And I tried reading it and I just couldn't slog through it. So for maybe eight years, I had it to read and kept trying and couldn't. And I finally, over Christmas a year ago, I bought the audiobook and listened to it and it's amazing. It was entertaining. It's done like a play and and I never even got to that part because it's so slow at the beginning, which is the intro, I guess. But that book, which talks about the theory of constraints and how we remove those to move forward 
in everything from business to personal stuff is ridiculously insanely amazing. And then the most recent one, which I'm which I just finished, is Ray Dalio's book, which is called Principles. Wow. There's a lot of insight right there. So thank you for doing that. Last question, play along, have some fun. Five foods that you could choose for the rest of your life or ingredients that you could choose to live on for the rest of your life. What would you choose? Five foods. Wow. Okay. Is it fish or do I have to pick a kind of fish? What no, you, no, you can pick, you could say fish. You could just say fish and then I'd give you a poll and we'll go fishing and we'll figure out what we get. Okay. So night. I'll, I'll say, then I'll be more specific. I'll say sashimi, jalapenos, uh, what else am I madly crazy about? I'm stuck on jalapenos. Uh, hamburgers because they're just fantastic. <laughs> what else? Uh, chocolate and Serranos. I'm, I like I like the spice. I like the spice. I hear it. I love it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Roland Frazier today made it through the fulfillment round, brought us down Success Mountain, talked to us a little bit along the way of the ups and downs of business and life. But we talked about the hope and the give and the character. And I love the fact that from an early kind of stage in your life, you set the foundation. And I think you just set this path of just just showing up different. Like I love our times together. I've told you that many times. I love sitting down in a room. You're always so kind to invite and you have a big heart. I want people to be able to get connected to you. I know that there's a lot of ways to follow you. So I want to make sure that they can learn more about you on the right path. And then I'll come back and wrap it up. So how would you allow, what would be the best path to get people connected with you? Well, the place that I share the most stuff would be my Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash Roland Frazier page. That's where I share all of the videos of kind of inside what's going on and what I'm thinking and hotel upgrade strategies and the rooms that we get and the trips that we take and that sort of stuff. So from a personal standpoint, I would say that's the best place. And from a professional standpoint, LinkedIn. Perfect. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is Roland Frazier. And when I talk about Facebook page community, he's pushing almost 800,000. So let's just be realistic. He's got a lot of insight, a lot of followers. So spend some time learning more about Roland. All the show notes will be available. So you make sure you visit the website and you can download and I'll, I'll even make sure I find the little credit card upgrade strategy and I'll get that in there as well. So that is our guest today on the Be Fulfilled Show. And thank you, my friend, for spending more than enough of your time with us. And I just want to say it means a lot. I'm humbled to have you on as a guest today. Oh, thank you. It was fun. I really appreciate it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, until next time, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, remember to make today the absolute best day of your life. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the architect of your journey in this game we call life? Take the next step now at trainersanddrivers.com and download my free mini course designed to give you more clarity and freedom in your day. It might just change your life forever.